Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Worcester Talking News, recorded on Thursday the 8th of June and brought to you by Worcester News and Equipment for the Blind and with permission of the Worcester News. I'm Pippa Curtis and the team this week comprises Penny, Tim and Richard and Alex is our recording engineer waving from the other side of the glass. Carol Hartle is on copying and admin and I'd like to extend a warm welcome to any new listeners who are joining us today and I hope you enjoy our reading. As always we'll include first of all a list of useful telephone numbers then what's on in the local theatres etc followed by the headline stories a selection of general news stories, a little bit of sport, and then finishing up with the thought for the week, sunrise and sunset times, and of course the birthday file. If we don't have a record of your birthday and you'd like to be included, please do get in touch and we can add it to the file. Obituaries are, as you probably are now aware, recorded after the closing music. We do like to hear from you, so if you have any comments or problems, a message can be left on the answer phone on 01905 767 766. Alternatively, just put a note in your wallet. Finally, the service is free to users, but if you'd like to make a donation, it can be sent to Colin Chance House, Wilds Lane, Worcester, WR5 1DA. So let's start this week with the telephone numbers, which Tim's going to read for us. For police non-emergency, 101. NHS Direct, 111. Out of Hours Medical Assistance, 0300 between 6 and 8pm. Crime Stoppers, 0800 Five 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 one 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 Worcester Hub zero one nine zero five seven six five seven six five Worcestershire County Council here to help zero one nine zero five seven six eight zero five three option three Community Risk Team Fire Safety Zero eight zero 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 three two one one five five Domestic Abuse Helpline zero eight zero zero nine eight zero three 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 one Sense Adventures Walking for Visually Impaired D Jones O one six eight four 891297/0792014614614 Samaritans 1161213 Worcester Live Zero one nine zero five six one one four two seven Malvern Theatres zero one six eight four eight nine two two seven seven Worcester Wheels for Transport zero one nine zero five 
four five zero six five four eight thirty AM to four thirty PM. Link nurseries at Poic have a session for visually impaired on Friday mornings. Telephone zero one nine zero five eight three one eight eight one for more information. Thank you. And I now have a few ideas for what's coming up in Worcester in the next week or two. And let's start with comedy. Danny Boy, spelt B-H-O-Y, the internationally acclaimed Scots comic, is presenting his brand new show at the Huntington Hall on Saturday the 17th of June. Tickets cost £25 and they're available from ticketmaster.co.uk. It starts at 7.30pm. Now, if you're an ABBA fan, you might want to head to Hartlebury Castle on the same Saturday, that's the 17th of June, where you can experience 21st century ABBA. I assume this is a tribute band. And they'll be performing <clears throat> all ABBA's classic hits in the beautiful and atmospheric grounds of the castle. Tickets are £25. You're encouraged to bring a picnic and some low-level seating, but no alcohol that will be available on sale within the grounds of the castle. You're also encouraged to wear ABBA-esque clothing. Doors open at 6.30pm, but the performance doesn't start until 8. For tickets and details, go to www.chapterhouse, that's all one word, .org. Over in Malvern, from Friday the 16th to Sunday the 18th of June, the Royal Three Counties Show will be taking place at, well, guess where? The Three Counties Showground. Described as the heart of England's premier celebration of the countryside and rural life, you can be sure of an action-packed, fun-filled day out for the whole family. Tickets can be bought online or by calling 0344-338-5400. And finally, for opera lovers... There is a live screening on Tuesday the 13th of June of Il Trovatore, performed by the Royal Opera House and showing simultaneously all around the country, but here in Worcestershire at the Malvern uh, Cinema and Odeon Worcester. The start time is 7.15pm. For tickets at Malvern, contact the Malvern box office on 01684 292277 and for Worcester Odeon, it's a book online at www.odeon.co.uk. Right, moving on to the main headlines. And Penny is going to read all the headline news and then she will start with the news story from last Friday. Over to you, Penny. So, headline stories for this week. Friday, June the 2nd, child groomed through virtual reality headset. Victim coerced into sending images by online predator. Saturday, June the 3rd. Child saved from river after falling into water at South Quay. Monday, June the 5th. How could children do this? Youths fatally injure seagull with slingshot. Tuesday, June the 6th. Cashless car parking fears. Changes will leave older people digitally excluded. Wednesday, June the 7th, huge cannabis farm busted in ex-pound shop. Two arrested and 500 plants seized after shambles raid. Thursday, June the 8th, rogue trader jailed for fraud. 
Con man demanded money from pensioner. So, Friday, June the 2nd, child groomed through virtual reality headset. An online predator groomed a child through a virtual reality VR headset, coercing them to send pictures. The school-aged child was contacted through Oculus, a software most often used to play virtual reality games. Worcestershire County Council said it is supporting the child's school and the police with their investigations. Children can enjoy virtual reality games with the headset, but parents have been warned that they can also access dangerous worlds which are being exploited by groomers. Through VR, children can be taken into other worlds, with the child reportedly being groomed through Discworld. The young victim disabled parental co controls after being coerced by the groomer. Once disabled, the child was able to access the dangerous sites and upload images and videos of themselves onto the software. A spokesperson for Worcestershire County Council said, We take all safeguarding concerns extremely seriously and provide advice and support to all our schools regarding keeping pupils safe online. We are aware of a recent incident at one of our schools and we are supporting the school and the police with their investigations into this matter. Kate Edwards, Acting Associate Head for Child Safety Online at the NSPCC, said parents need to be aware of the risks young users face when given access to an unregulated world. She added, But this responsibility should not just be on parents. Tech companies must do more to ensure the safety of children on existing products, as well as for ones they roll out in the future. And the government needs to deliver a robust online safety bill that accounts for advancements in technology and ensures new devices and platforms are created with child protection at their heart. West Mercia Police has been approached for a comment, but has not replied before the Worcester News went to press. NSPCC advice for, user, for using VR headsets. Make the headset a family activity. Take some time to explore the headset before allowing a child to use it. Talk to children about how they use VR. Make sure they know that personal information should not be shared with people they don't know. Get to know the safety features the device offers. Make sure the location is set to private. Use parental controls and check that privacy settings are switched on. Set healthy boundaries and manage your child's screen time. This is the headline for Saturday, June the 3rd. Child saved from river. A girl was pulled from the waters of the River Severn by firefighters in Worcester City Centre. The child was rescued by firefighters from Hereford and Worcester Fire and Rescue Service who were called to South Quay along the banks of the River Severn in Worcester. The riverside path was busy with families and young people making the most of the warm weather and the final day of the spring half-term. However, the usually tranquil area where children enjoy playing in the fountains was filled with emergency service vehicles. Uh, yesterday's rescue got underway at about 3pm.
Along with a fire engine, there was also an ambulance, paramedic officer and basics doctor at South Quay. Firefighters managed to get the child to the safety of the riverbanks where she was checked over by awaiting paramedics. A spokesperson said, Hereford and Worcester Fire and Rescue Service was called out to a rescue from water in Worcester at 3.01pm. A Worcester fire station crew attended South Quay and swiftly rescued a female child who had fallen into the River Severn. Supporting crews were not required and the girl was left in the care of the ambulance service for a precautionary check. The Worcester crew left the scene at 3.29pm. West Midlands Ambulance Service said after being checked over by paramedics, the girl did not require hospital treatment. A spokesperson said that the crews swiftly rescued the individual, who was thankfully uninjured. We have contacted Hereford and Worcester Fire and Rescue Service for more information. The headline on Monday the 5th of June, how, in inverted commas, is how could children do this? Beneath the photo of the shambles, uh, particular outside the MS food hall, the subheadline is Gull Shot At by Youths. Teenagers fatally wounded a gull using a slingshot in front of horrified city shop- centre shoppers. Two children, aged about 12 to 13, were seen shooting the bird on the shambles in Worcester. Chloe Bullock from Two Hoots Bird Rescue was called to help, but unfortunately the gull had to be put to sleep due to its injuries. Despite gulls being a protected species and the incident being reported, West Mercia Police had said it will not be investigating. Mrs Bullock said all wild birds, their nests and eggs are protected by the Wildlife and Countryside Act 1981. Under this law, you must not intentionally kill, injure or disturb any wild birds. Also, this applies to when the bird is building a nest, or the nest contains eggs or young, or disturb a nest containing chicks. She added, some people may say it's just a seagull, but they are a protected species and feel pain, just like we do. They are exceptionally intelligent birds as well. I found it really shocking and upsetting that children could do could so do such a thing. This isn't the first incident either of this nature. Thankfully it doesn't happen often. I just hope they don't do it again. Passers-by reported seeing the two youths shooting the bird along the shambles near MS at about 6:30 p.m. on Thursday, June the 1st. They were seen running off laughing after injuring the gull. Meg Coley found the bird and made the call to Two Hoots Bird Rescue. What made this such a sad situation was that the gull had given up on protecting itself when I was getting it into the box. It seemed so hurt and scared, but it didn't want to attack despite what had happened to it, as though it had lost hope. It was such a horrible situation to have to intervene in, especially when the only outcome possible for the bird was to be put to sleep. But I couldn't have got the bird the help he needed without the help of Two Hoots' advice 
and the other lady that helped the bird and provided transport. I really hope that something can be done to help teach kids the importance of our wildlife. This is uh, uh, the incident was reported to West Mercia Police on Friday morning, but the force is not planning to investigate. This is not something we are investigating, said a spokesperson. And the headline for Tuesday, June the 6th, cashless car parking fears. Worried older people are concerned with changes to some city car park payment machines to make them cashless. Worcester City Council is changing arrangements at five of its lowest demand car parks so that payment can only be made through the Ringo app and phone line. But Age UK, a charity which supports older people, said it had been contacted by many people concerned about the changes at Clare Street, Tallow Hill, Tybridge Street, Commandery Road and the Moors car parks. Ringo also charges 20p extra per hourly rate than the fees listed on the Worcester City Council parking charges on its website. This is due to a convenience fee, which is for all pay-by-phone transactions to the provider. Claire Thomas, CEO of Age UK Worcester and Malvern Hills, said, I can concur with Age UK National's stance that a significant number of the older people we work with are digitally excluded, not having access to any form of digital technology, including computers and smartphones. In fact, we run a very busy, very busy digital inclusion service offering one-to-one -one free tuition to encourage and enable older people to become connected. In a world in which we are dependent upon digital technology to live our lives effectively and efficiently, being unable to pay for parking with cash is one more example of how older people without access to this technology are being excluded and will find it increasingly difficult to do something as simple as park their car. Social isolation, loneliness and lack of access to services is already an issue for older people in the county. This move to cashless parking will only make this worse. The council has made the decision in response to a steep drop in the value of cash payments at each of these car parks. Councillor Lynn Denham, joint leader of Worcester City Council, said, I think it was a finely balanced decision that the City Council made about this. We were mindful that the previous provider caused a lot of issues with payments, so we want to ensure that it wouldn't happen again. In my role as a councillor, I've spoken to many people who are happy with non-cash options of payment, with many opting not to even carry cash anymore. However, it is important to mention that not all car parks are becoming non-cash only, and there are still parking options in the city for cash. Councillor Louis Stephen, Mayor of Worcester, whose charity for the year is Age UK, declined to comment on the matter. Headline for Wednesday, June the 7th, huge cannabis farm busted in ex-pound shop. A cannabis farm has been discovered in the heart of an historic city centre street. Two men have been arrested after a cannabis farm was uncovered at a former pound shop in the Shambles. The 24-year-old and 41-year-old men have been arrested on suspicion of cannabis production and remain in police custody after the discovery yesterday. Staff working near the former Poundland said they noticed a strong smell of cannabis in the mornings. 
Shoppers also said they could smell the drug as they passed, which has been past the shop, which has been empty since it closed in March 2020. One business owner, who wished to remain anonymous, said, When you get here in the mornings, it used to smell so strongly of the stuff, and I guess now we know why. The cannabis farm was in the upper section of the empty shop, which was cordoned off with police tape and had a police guard outside. A spokesperson for West Mercia Police said, At 9.30am today, officers executed a drugs warrant at a property on the Shambles in Worcester. A large quantity of cannabis plants were discovered. Two men, aged 24 and 41, have been arrested on suspicion of cannabis production and remain in police custody. PC Rowan Boyle added, I can confirm over 500 plants were located with the Shambles cannabis grow. Two police vans, two national grid vans and a further police car were parked along the shambles. Shoppers were stopping to see what was happening and staff members from shops along the shambles could be seen watching on. An employee at Phone Revive said, it was a cannabis factory of some kind, was really surprised to see police here. Shoppers were shocked to discover a cannabis farm had been operating in the city centre. One woman said, I can't believe it is on such a busy street in town. Another person who witnessed the police raid said, The smell is awful, it travels around the street. The crash when they went in was horrendous. Apparently there have been thousands worth of plants seized. This is the headline for Thursday, June 8th. Rogue trader jailed for fraud. A con man who demanded money from a vulnerable pensioner was caught red-handed after the victim's son came to the rescue with a doorbell camera. Rogue trader Tommy Taylor, who targeted a 74-year-old in Fernal Heath near Worcester, was jailed for 26 weeks for fraud when he appeared at Worcester Magistrates Court this week. Ring doorbell footage shows Taylor coming to the door more than once as he tries to get money from the pensioner. The 31-year-old rogue trader demanded money for roofing work that had never taken place. But the victim's son and police remained one step ahead of the con man. The victim's son installed home cameras to protect his father and this proved vital in ensuring West Mercia police had the evidence to convict Taylor. Now, senior detectives are urging others to install similar systems to protect their own homes and those of their family. DC Simon Lloyd of Proactive CID, based at Worcester Police Station in Castle Street, said, I'm pleased to see this verdict and hope this offers some closure and reassurance to the victim and his family. The criminal targeting of vulnerable persons in West Mercia will not be tolerated and we will investigate every avenue to bring those offenders to justice. This case is a shining example of how people's homes can be protected with the use of home security cameras, and I am sure the evidence gained played a very large part in the magistrate's verdict. A spokesperson for West Mercia Police said the incident happened on November the 12th last year, when Taylor demanded money for roofing work that had never taken place. The whole incident was captured on a home security camera due to previous fraudulent visits to the injured party's home. The security camera was installed by the victim's son, 
due to concerns over his father's vulnerability. Taylor of Sandy Lane Starport was identified by police and was arrested in February. The 31-year-old denied the offence in interview and claimed that he had been sent to the address by other persons whom he believed had completed the work. The case went to trial yesterday at Worcester Magistrates Court, with all evidence being heard. The magistrates assessed all evidence given to them and gave a verdict that they were satisfied Taylor made false representations, was acting dishonestly and intended to make a gain for himself or another. We find you guilty. He was further ordered to pay a £150 victim surcharge due within 28 days of release. Thank you, Tim. That concludes the uh, headline stories for the week and we'll now move on to all the general news stories. Richard's going to kick us off. Well, we'll start with something that's near and dear to my heart. Under a photograph of uh, Richard Toft, Pershaw Press Development Manager, is the heading Celebrating Counties Cider. World Cider Day <coughs> has been celebrated and what better way to celebrate than by trying a local tipple? Worcestershire is home to more than a dozen cider producers, each making the most of the quality fruit produced in the area. Among them is Pershaw Press, which uses fruit hands selected from the Pershaw College's Avonbank Orchard. Development manager Richard Toft said, Worcestershire has a long history and heritage of making cider and perry. Traditionally, styles have varied across the country with different types of fruit grown, for example. The west of the country has a legacy of bittersweet, oblique bitter-sharp varieties, more typical of our Herefordshire neighbours. The Vale of Evesham was famous for growing dessert fruit, and as such, that reflects in the cider produced. This means that they are lighter, crisper, fresher drinks, fresher drinks than those containing the tannins of bitter products. He added, at Pershaw Press, we make cider of all these styles and we use the same techniques typ typical of making white wines to make consistently excellent products. We only ferment using freshly pressed fruit juice, never imported concentrate. Being in the Vale of Evesham has always influenced how we produce our cider. World Cider Day was launched by the members of the Association of Apple Wine and Fruit Juice Press Houses as a way of celebrating all types of cider, not just apple. It takes place on June the 3rd each year to mark the start of the cider season. Also producing cider in Worcestershire is David France of Fletcher's Cider based just outside Callow Hill. Much like at Pershaw Press, a lot of work goes into ensuring the cider they produce is the best it can be. Mr France said, We leave the juice to ferment slowly for up to six months. Then we taste and blend the third cider and leave it to mature. When we're happy, the cider is re ready, it's filtered, pasteurised and bottled to produce a clear, bright, and smooth cider. We keep close control over every stage of the process, doing all that we can ourselves and using local suppliers. Even packaging and labelling is done by us by hand. We only produce small volumes of our ciders, typically around a thousand bottles of each variety per year, 
once it's gone, it's gone for another year. Oh, what's that? I'm just popping <clears> out for one. <laughs> a pupil from a prestigious school in Worcester was arrested after the school alerted police over drug concerns. Police said they visited a pupil and carried out a search with drug sniffer dogs after being contacted by King's School Worcester. Inspector Tanya Beckett said officers were initially called by the school where staff had gathered and seized evidence. A pupil was arrested away from school grounds. The age of the pupil has not been revealed. Inspector Beckett said this is an incident which was dealt with by the Worcester Safer neighbourhood team following a call from the school. The school interviewed the pupils, gathered and seized the evidence and contacted the police. Police did not carry out any searches on the school premises, but they did attend the home address of one of the young people to effect an arrest and do a search with drugs dogs. It was on Sunday, May the 21st, and the drug seized was cannabis. The Worcester News asked West Mercia Police whether their investigation was continuing, but they were unable to give an answer at the time of publication. King's School Worcester declined to comment. King's School Worcester is one of the oldest schools in Worcester, dating back to the 7th century. The fee-paying school sits next to Worcester Cathedral and on the banks of the River Severn. The senior school caters for nearly 900 pupils. This is an intriguing headline from Tuesday, June 6th. Lost monkey found in shed. A family have revealed that a A monkey went missing after a fire at their property and it has been found in a shed. They have also paid tribute to emergency service workers following the fire near Droitwich. A severe fire ripped through the building in Rashwood last Wednesday and several small animals were were rescued by firefighters. Some 40 firefighters in total were needed to tackle the blaze and were at the scene for 24 hours. Now they are being praised for their bravery, having entered the burning property multiple times. Melanie Dorr said in a statement, To the fire service and all that came to our rescue at the Rashwood fire, a massive thank you for their immediate attendance and risk to their own lives, not just for people, but my dear little animals. Not once or twice, but they went in the blazing fire numerous times, making sure all animals were accounted for and got out safe. After the animals went in and tried to retrieve... After the animals, they went in and tried to retrieve any sentimental items that they could for us. As well as doing a fantastic job, they were so caring for my family's welfare for the whole 24 hours they were here. Amazing people. By the way, guys, we found the escaped monkey the following morning hiding in the tool shed. Thank you. Kind wishes from Melanie Dorr and family. Hereford and Worcester Fire and Rescue Services said 80% of the property was damaged by fire. All people were accounted for and multiple small animals were rescued by fire service personnel. This is a heartwarming fundraising story with the headline Darts Team Raise Over £1,000 for Children's Hospital. And charity Darts Night raised £1,676 for Birmingham Children's Hospital. Worcestershire Youth Darts 
held a charity darts night against the Sports Argus charity darts team on Friday, May the 26th at Droitwich Working Men's Club. The Sports Argus team travels around the Midlands raising money each year and have done so since 1947. Worcestershire youth player Sam Crompton raised £760 on his own and then added in 10% of his total amount out of his own pocket. Ryan Kane, who raised £250, also donated over £200 in raffle prizes. Congratulations to Kieran Luscott and James Carney winning the Nine Dart Challenge with matching scores of 291. A big thank you to everyone that participated in the night. We couldn't be prouder of all those involved. It was a fantastic amount raised for a wonderful cause. This headline is Rugby Stars Urged to Try CPR. West Midlands Ambulance Service has teamed up with some of the country's top rugby stars to launch a video aimed at encouraging everyone to give CPR a try. The video sees players from clubs throughout the league press home hard-hitting facts about CPR before encouraging everyone to give it a go. The important messaging contained within the video is aimed to improve the outcome for the 30,000 adults who suffer an out-of-hospital cardiac arrest each year. With only one in ten surviving through to hospital discharge, and over a third of UK adults not knowing how to do CPR, raising awareness is imperative, which is why the chance to play the message to 80,000 fans at the weekend, as well as all those who see it being played in fan villages, is a fantastic opportunity. Andy Jeans, Head of Community Response at West Midlands Ambulance Service, said, Cardiac arrests in sport have unfortunately become big news over the last few years. And that is why the chance to create this video, in partnership with Premiership Rugby, was an incredible opportunity for us to get this important message out to so many people. Of course, we hope the fans enjoy their day out on Saturday and enjoy a great game of rugby. But hopefully... Lots of them will also see the video, gain more of an understanding of why CPR is important and put themselves in a position in the future to be able to give it a go. Finally, I would like to thank John Essex and Paul Telfer for their incredible contributions in making the video. Sadly, Paul passed away recently following a short illness and it is a great shame he will not be here to see what I'm sure will be a fantastic reaction. Whilst we all miss him, I'm confident his work will have a lasting impact on many, which is the best possible tribute we can pay him. The video was directed by Steve Hart, a community first responder who volunteers for West Midlands Ambulance Service, often attending patients who are in cardiac arrest, so fully understands the importance of CPR. It is hoped to replicate this project with other teams and sport disciplines and would like to hear from organisers who can help make this campaign reach our sporting fans across the UK. If interested, please email pressoffice at wmas.nhs.uk. A man who was on a roof for several hours, forcing police to close a road near the city centre, was eventually arrested. 
Numerous police cars and a fire engine blocked Lowesmore with Worcester Marina cordoned off. A 23-year-old man was later arrested for multiple thefts and being wanted on recall to prison. Police cars blocked either end of Lowesmore while officers were stationed along the road to stop drivers and pedestrians. West Mercia Police told the Worcester News that all roads reopened after the incident at 12.46pm. The police cordon was set up just after Groscheck Market and ended just after Worcester Marina, blocking the entrance from St Martin's Quarter between the Flag and Firefly. Pedestrians, cyclists and skateboarders were all stopped by police at the scene, who informed them that the road was closed. Pedestrians could be seen at either end of the police cordon watching on. A video emerged which showed police talking to a man on the roof of a building. A neighbour said he'd been there for about three hours. The incident was also causing major traffic issues on the roads surrounding the Lowesmore closure. Lowesmore and Lowesmore Wharf, including Worcester Marina, were closed to all members of the public as police officers and Hereford and Worcester Fire and Rescue personnel were dealing with the incident. The traffic issues affected City Walls Road and Pheasant Street on the approach to Lowesmore. There were also issues with major bus routes with first bus forced to divert its 34, 35 and 38 services. The normal route for the three affected services was resumed as of 12.33pm. The next article comes from Wednesday, June the 7th edition and features a photograph of the canal bridge at Porter's Mill. Bridge that fell into disrepair restored. An historic canal bridge has been restored after it fell into disrepair. The 250-year-old Porter's Mill Canal Bridge near Droitwich was brought back to its former glory. The restoration works included the complete rebuilding of the masonry wing wall and spandrel, the triangle shape between the top of an arch and the wall. Worcester County Council and its contractor Ringway Limited have carried out the work. Last year, Porter's Mill Canal Bridge was labelled one of five bridges in Worcestershire unable to carry heavy vehicles. Out of 815 bridges in the area, Worcestershire County Council identified five which were unable to carry the heaviest vehicles regularly using highways, including lorries up to 44 tonnes. The RAC Foundation said the threat of more severe weather due to climate change could lead to dangerous collapses on Britain's highways and urged councils to address unsuitable bridges. Councillor Mike Rouse, Cabinet Minister with Responsibility for Highways and Transport, said Porter's Mill Bridge provides important vehicle and pedestrian access across the canal for local businesses, farmers and residents, so it is essential that it is maintained and fit for purpose. Whilst restoring the bridge, we fully retain the bridge's appearance and character, including using the original stone masonry. We did need to close the bridge to vehicles and pedestrians and the canal to boaters navigating the canal to ensure that everyone was kept safe. However, both are now fully open for use. I'd like to thank everybody for their patience during the refurb. Porter's Mill Canal Bridge is an historic Grade 2 structure constructed to cross the Droitwich Barge Canal, which was opened in 1771 to link Droitwich Spa to the River Severn at Horford. 
The Droitwich Barge Canal was originally built to carry salt from Droitwich. However, with the rise of the railways, the last boat to use the Barge Canal was in 1916, before it was finally abandoned in 1939. Following a local campaign to reinstate the canal, it was fully restored and reopened in 2010. This article relates to the building of a new school in Worcester. Signs have appeared along the field which has been earmarked for the building of the new high school. The new 600-place school is set to be built on fields off Newtown Road in Worcester between Worcestershire Royal Hospital and the A4440 Nunnery Way roundabout. At the entrance of the field from Newtown Road, an A4 laminated poster has been displayed with a QR code to scan to access a survey. The school is still on track to open in 2026 and is expected to reach full capacity by 2030. In February 2021, plans were approved for the creation of the new school in order to meet the demand for school places. The building of the new school was branded controversial by one city head teacher who questioned its need and whether £40 million was a waste of money. Worcestershire County Council will also be hosting a public consultation on Wednesday, July the 12th between 2pm and 7pm where the public can give their views and ask questions about the new school. This meeting will be held at County Hall and is free to attend. You can access the survey by visiting www.worcestershire.gov.uk slash new secondary school. If any of you wonder what some of our elected members get up to, on the 5th of June, there's plenty of photographs to illustrate under the headline, Cheers, Mayor's Pub Trail. The city's mayor visited 60 pubs during the year as part of a trail to raise awareness for the struggling trade. Councillor Adrian Gregson spent some of the last 12 months as Worcester's mayor, visiting 60 pubs across the city as part of his mayoral trail to speak with landlords and landladies, bar staff and patrons, supping the final pint just two days before he handed back the mayoral chain. The former mayor, whose spell came to an end last month, said he wanted to draw attention to the important roles that local pubs play in their communities and the struggles and help support his chosen uh, mayoral act charities, on-site advocacy and seven arts, and their roles in supporting vulnerable people and promoting the arts. I was keen to go to the places where a community pub means that, he said. Where sometimes the only people someone sees that day or that week is by going to their local. That is a huge support mechanism for many people. On top of that, the various teams such as darts, pool, skittles, cribbage, pub quizzes of all, all help social cohesion and mental activity. However, while there was much support for the Mayor's tour and its aims, he said the continuing plight of pubs meant the list was only made up of 60 uh, that was sobering. The basic premise was the hospitality industry was particularly badly hit by COVID and all the regulations, he said. On top of that, energy bills and the cost of living crisis have forced the costs of running a pub skyward. 
And because the general population are also suffering from a cost of living crisis and sometimes are concerned about going out again and mixing with lots of people, the income over the bar is down. Pubs are being squeezed at both ends. More than 30 people joined the mayor during the tour of Worcester pubs, but there are no marks out of 10 or rankings of the city pubs, with Councillor Gregson stating that he, that was never the aim. Hopefully we drew attention to the plight of the pub trade, and we met a lot of interesting people on both sides of the bar, he said. Six Worcestershire primary schools took part in a music outreach event to share their love of singing. RGS Worcester hosted Let's Sing on May the 3rd, with 135 pupils from years 4 and 5 taking part. Pupils from Honeywell Primary School, Northwick Manor Primary School, St George's Catholic Primary School, Cutnell Green Church of England Primary School, Our Lady Queen of Peace Catholic Primary School and Hollymount School all got the chance to shine. The session was led by Claire Spencer, music teacher at RGS and professional singer, accompanied by Jonathan Soman, director of music. The primary school children enjoyed some fun vocal warm-up exercises to start the session and then learnt two songs, Count On Me by Bruno Mars and When I Grow Up from Matilda the Musical, with the pupils learning the tunes as well as the harmony parts. The session culminated with a video recording of Count On Me, with all 135 pupils taking part. The final film will be, will be shared with the primary schools as a memento of the day. The children also enjoyed a performance from lower sixth form music student Anna Jobes, who sang Jar of Hearts while playing the piano. Mrs Hoare, Year 5 teacher at Northwick Manor, said, I'd like to say a massive thank you for inviting Northwick Manor Primary to the Let's Sing Morning. The children had a lovely time singing their hearts out. It was such a fun event. This article is from Tuesday, June the 6th. People told to ditch car for foot or bike. More people in the city will be encouraged to ditch the car for walking or cycling. Worcester City Council said it will be trying to support more people to travel by foot or bike, including cycle share schemes for residents and visitors and extra cycle parking at parks and community centres. The council said it would also be working with schools to encourage more students to walk or cycle. The boost for active travel is to help meet a national target to see, to see half of all journeys in towns and cities made by bike or foot by 2030. Councillor Lynn Denham, Chair of the City Council Health and Wellbeing Committee, said travelling by foot, bike or scooter would boost fitness and cut congestion and harmful pollution. Helping people to walk and cycle more or take up another form of active travel can only be a good thing, she said. It increases their health and well-being, reduces pollution and congestion and helps Worcester edge closer to becoming a carbon-neutral city. I hope the committee will give its support to this important new plan. The council will also be driving home the benefits of switching at its big showpieces like the Worcester Show and the Victorian Christmas Fair and other events. The council said it will also be leading by example and encouraging more of its staff to walk or cycle to and from work and while out and about. 
This includes improving bike storage facilities at the council's offices, offering training on cycling safely, allowing staff to borrow e-bikes for journeys between council premises, and promoting a scheme that allows employees to spread the cost of buying a new bike. Worcestershire is among one of only four counties in the country to have the worst possible zero rating from Active Travel England, which offers councils a share of £200 million to build walking and cycling routes and make other improvements. Because of its poor rating, Worcestershire County Council was not even allowed to bid this time around and as a result received no money. The work will be discussed by the Council's Health and Wellbeing Committee at a meeting in the Guildhall on June the 12th. This article relates to a proposal to introduce an entrance fee for the very popular Worcester Show. A plan to bring in an entry fee for the Worcester Show has now been scrapped and visitors will instead be asked to make a voluntary donation. Cash-strapped Worcester City Council had been pushing ahead with introducing a £2 entry fee for the family-friendly and currently free Worcester Show as one way of helping with its worrying budget issues, a move it believed would cause minimal issues for visitors. But when the money-saving move was put to a vote, councillors instead scrapped the move to introduce an entrance charge altogether in favour of a voluntary donation. The family-friendly Worcester Show is held every August at the city's Pitchcroft Racecourse and regularly attracts more than 10,000 visitors. The City Council was facing a £1.7 million gap in its books this year, which it has already agreed will be filled by using reserves and expects the gap to grow to nearly £4 million in the next five years. Council bosses warned they have reached the point where there will not be enough in the reserves to continue plugging gaps in the budget and look to have turned to some of its popular, but nevertheless heavily subsidised events, to try and save money. Councillor Jabarias said introducing a charge was an extremely difficult decision and one that would set a precedent for events in the rest of the city. Councillor Hannah Cooper said the show was a jewel in the crown for the city but introducing a charge this year was short notice, suggesting the council could plan ahead to bring in a fee for next year's show. The council's managing director, David Blake, said the £2 fee had been decided because the council wanted to bring in some money to make sure the festival was not being run at a loss, but did not want to build a real barrier for people attending. This does not provide a profit because it still doesn't cover all the costs, he said, at the meeting of the Place and Economic Development Committee in the Guildhall on Monday, June the 5th. On Monday, June the 5th, uh, the news shows an article about dogs and dog lovers. Dog lovers gather for peaceful vigil. Dozens of people turned up for a peaceful vigil in Cathedral Square after two Staffordshire Bull Terriers were shot by police in London. Animal rights activists and dog lovers gathered in memory of Millions and Marshall at Elga Statue on Sunday afternoon. At the foot of the statue of Sir Edward Elgar, those gathered lit candles and left posters and pictures of the two Staffies. About 50 people gathered on Sunday afternoon 
at the vigil, which is one of a number taking place across the UK. The Independent Office for Police Conduct is now investigating what led to the dog's deaths and the tasering of a man by officers from the Metropolitan Police Service. Bev Royal said, I'm scared to walk my staffy now. They are in no way as calm as Marshall and Millions. They would have reacted the same. What happened was disgusting. A video of the dogs being killed went viral on Twitter. Mary Stone said, I was shocked when I saw the video, but the event has pulled everyone together as one voice. Paul Cartwright said, the video killed me. I wish I could have been there to calm it down. But if someone wanted to take my dogs, I would have lost it. People were also invited to sign a petition for an investigation into why the dogs were shot. Organiser Hannah King said, The turnout has been amazing. We've had a great turnout and the support has been incredible today. Laura King also helped organise the event and said, I'm so proud of my sister and how well she has done. I have lived, my, I have lived with dogs my entire life and I was shocked, upset and devastated when I saw what had happened. The terrifying moment a drunk woman drove the wrong way along the M5 and caused a head-on crash has been released. Numerous concerned people called 999 reporting a Mini Cooper travelling north on the southbound carriageway of the motorway near Tewkesbury just after midnight on October the 5th, 2022. Officers discovered a head-on collision near Strencham Services involving the Mini and a Vauxhall Astra and two lorries which were struck and damaged in the incident. The driver of the Mini Cooper, Dorothy Denny, 65, from Breeden, Worcestershire, sustained broken ribs. She provided a roadside breath test that was more than three times the legal limit. Carly Pope, 30, from Bristol, who was driving the Astra, suffered a broken arm in two places, whiplash, cuts, bruises and soft tissue damage, while a male passenger had whiplash and bruising. Denny later admitted causing serious injury by dangerous driving and a charge of drink driving when she appeared at Gloucestershire Crown Court. Denny was handed a 20-month suspended prison sentence and £10,000 fine and banned for driving for 10 years. Miss Pope described the excruciating injuries she suffered in the crash, which left her permanently disfigured. She may never regain a full range of motion. The personal trainer said, Following the incident, I've had breakdowns as a passenger on the motorway at night. I've had vivid nightmares when I do manage to sleep, and I don't feel as though I will ever be as confident a driver as I once was. I've been signed off by my doctor three times since the accident, it is now at the point where I may have to change my career entirely, and that breaks my heart. PC Stuart Dudfield said, It is a miracle no one died in this. No one expects to see a car heading straight at them on the motorway, and it must have been a terrifying few moments for Carly and her passenger and the other motorists who were forced to take evasive action. In all my years' experience in roads policing, this has got to be one of the starkest examples of what can happen when you drink, drive or drive whilst impaired. The defendant was compliant during my investigation and very remorseful. 
However, that does not excuse the fact that she made a conscious decision to drive her vehicle whilst intoxicated. Police said Denny admitted drinking alcohol after receiving sad news and had driven to a garage in Ashchurch Road, Tewkesbury to buy milk and more alcohol. After leaving the forecourt, she turned left instead of right for her home address, then went around the roundabout to get back off at Ashchurch Road. Denny, Denny then took a left-hand turn to the M5 southbound off-slip and travelled up the motorway on the southbound. She believed she was in lane one, but was actually in lane three and carried on driving against the flow of the traffic for more than two miles before crashing. This one is from Tuesday, June the 6th. Man to have fit to plead assessment. A man charged with attempted murder and sexual assault has had his case adjourned to assess whether he's fit to plead. Wearing a blue shirt and black trousers, Anthony Roberts of Amber Heights, Greenhill, Worcester, appeared to, to court three at Worcester's Crown Court on video link from HMP Long Latin. At the start of the case, Jason Aris, defending, explained Roberts would not be entering a plea at this stage. Mr Aris explained the defendant's fitness to plead needed to be determined, asking for an adjournment so that a, a psychiatrist the defence had instructed could carry out the assessment. Judge Martin Jackson agreed to the adjournment, telling Roberts the plea hearing would take place on Ju July the 17th. Stage dates when prosecution and defence reveal evidence were also set, while a provisional date for, for a trial, if required, was set for October the 9th. The judge told Roberts he was remanded in custody. Raj Punia prosecuted during the hearing on Monday, May the 5th. Roberts faces attempted murder and sexual assault charges as well as a charge of possession of a bladed article in a public place linked to the same incident. As we previously reported, police were called just after 2am on May the 7th after a 71-year-old woman was attacked in Cleve Walk in the city centre near the River Severn. The woman suffered multiple stab wounds in the attack and was taken to Queen Elizabeth Hospital in a critical condition. In a recent update, the woman was described as in a stable condition. This article relates to the long-awaited artisan food hall in Worcester's High Street. A year on from the first glimpse inside the transformation of the city's former Debenham store, and there are still no signs a fancy food hall is set to open. The picture of the glitzy bar area was the first time Artisan Food Hall shared a peek at what people can expect. But a year on, and despite captioning the image, it's close, folks, there is still no opening date or even signs of work continuing at the High Street building. After months of speculation, the company claimed work on the site had ground to a halt because the building owners had not made a final payment for the work. Artisan Food Hall also warned the delay has left 100 jobs and 50 contra contractors' work at risk, but they were still hopeful for a spring opening. However, with spring turning to summer, there is no sign of an official opening date and the exterior of the building has become a magnet for graffiti. The building owner was confirmed as an overseas offshore investor managed by a London agent. 
Artisan Food Hall had been unable to contact it, and neither has Worcester News, despite repeated attempts. Plans for the food hall were first confirmed back in April 2021, which was originally tipped to be a nine-month transformation project of the former Debenham store. Ambitious plans revealed a paradise for foodies and shoppers spread over four floors. As well as the bar area, the ground floor was set to feature baristas, sushi, an Italian deli, a bakery and a variety of other food vendors. The first floor was earmarked for the Canteen Society, with plans to open between Friday and Sunday and for pop-up chefs and creators to fill the space. The second floor would feature a city garden once completed and a space that could be hired for events, weddings, parties and gigs every weekend. There was also set to be a secret door leading to the speakeasy. Shoppers were set to head for the basement, which would feature Worcestershire vendors of items such as vinyl records, vintage clothing and retro furniture. At last Saturday, underneath a, a photograph of their premises in Hilton Road, the article goes on to tell us that BBC listener figures drop. BBC Hereford and Worcester had fewer listeners in the six months to March than it did a year before, new figures show. The latest data estimates, BBC Hereford and Worcester reached an average of 84,000 listeners each week in the six months to March. This was down from around 90,000 in the six months to March 2022. Figures for radio listenership are compiled by Rajar, which carries out an ongoing survey of user-based on what stations they listen to and for how long. The findings come as a union calls for better funding for local BBC services. However, over this period, the market share of BBC Hereford at Worcester rose from 7.3% to 9.5% compared to other available stations. In October, the corporation set out proposals that would see local radio stations share more content and broadcast fewer programmes unique to their areas. It would mean local programming restricted before 2pm and afternoon programmes across England shipped between its 39 local radio stations. Noel McLean, National Secretary of BECTU, a union for the creative industries, said, We have sympathy for the position it is trying to operate in, but all roads lead back to the need for a properly funded BBC. A less local BBC is a much diminished BBC. Instead, Mr McLean called for an evidence-based review of what kind of BBC we want, what we want the corporation to do, and how that can best be delivered. The Department for Culture, Media and Sport said it remained disappointed about plans to reduce local output and has met with BBC bosses to express their concerns. A BBC spokesperson said these figures often fluctuate, particularly for news and community-focused stations such as local radio. We have a plan to reach more people with local stories and news across England over the next 12 months. We know audience habits are changing, 
which is why we need to transform what we do to achieve a better balance between our local online and broadcast services. We are committed to reaching more people in more communities across England. And a heartwarming story about dogs. Well, it should be heartwarming. Dog kennels are being built by an animal charity as more unwanted pets are being abandoned due to the cost of living crisis. More dogs are being abandoned by owners who cannot afford to take care of their pets anymore, according to the RSPCA. Bosses from RSPCA Worcester and Mid Worcestershire branch are currently in the process of building 20 kennels in the hopes it would rescue, rehabilitate and rehome around 200 dogs per year. Claire Wood from the branch said, Due to the cost of living crisis and various other factors, we know there are many dogs in the area that need help. We currently don't have kennels on site, so previously we've relied on private boarding facilities or foster carers. But we're seeing an increased demand for kennels as more and more dogs need rescue space, so we are now in the process of building a kennel block, which will mean we will be able to help more dogs. In April this year, the RSPCA received 1,508 reports to its emergency line about an animal being abandoned. That compares with 1,370 abandonments for the same month last year, marking a rise of 9.6%. RSPCA rescuers said most of the time people simply cannot afford a pet in the current financial climate. An RSPCA spokesperson said, Unfortunately, the RSPCA and other charities see the impact all too often of people who have bought pets without properly researching the commitment involved with caring for them first. We'd always urge people, however, struggling to reach out for help or utilise the support that is available. Tragically, many pets are carelessly abandoned instead, while others are advertised online and on social media, with owners offering them free to a good home or trying to cash in on their pet's worth. Perhaps not so uplifting after all. (laughs) Hey-ho, Penny. This one is from Saturday's edition. Man broke police fan screen. A 44-year-old persistent offender told magistrates, till next time, at the end of his latest case. As previously reported, Justin Wynne was jailed in a crime spree in April before returning to Worcester Magistrates Court last month to admit public order offences. Wynne appeared by video link wearing a blue T-shirt on Thursday, June the 1st, admitting criminal damage. Melanie Winterflood, prosecuting, said Wynne had been arrested on other matters and was in a police van when he was being transported on December the 16th last year. The prosecutor said Wynne was being taken to Worcestershire Royal Hospital for a self-inflicted head injury and, while waiting outside to be taken in, Wynne had become agitated. He was shouting and swearing, the prosecutor said, before he kicked the perspex screen of the van's cage, smashing it. Miss Winterflood said Wynne's criminal record was fairly lengthy, explaining this year alone he had been in court for theft, criminal damage, battery and breaching a criminal behaviour order. Wynne was jailed in April for the crime spree, which included criminal damage, in which he set off a fire extinguisher in Mother Hubbard's fish and chip shop. The prosecutor added it was a matter for the magistrates to decide whether to order compensation as it was covered by West Mercia Police's insurance. Dean Hicks, defending, said at the time of the offence, Wynne had 
hit the bottle after a long relationship with Victoria Biddle had broken up. The solicitor said Wynne became very emotional as he had banged his head. He was taken from custody to hospital. It was freezing cold. He needed to go to the toilet. He is very sorry for taking out his frustration. He does express his remorse. He regrets his actions. Mr Hicks also questioned why the offence had not previously been tied up with previous cases Wynne had recently faced. While magistrates were deliberating their sentence, Wynne said, Are the newspapers there? Before he started whistling to himself. Susan Doughty, chairman of the magistrates' bench, told Wynne he would be given a compensation order to pay £350 to West Mercia Police. No order for costs or victim surcharge was made. Wynne was told £350 would be added to the outstanding money he owes the courts. Wynne said he only owed £26 before the court clerk corrected him, saying it was in fact hundreds of pounds. After being told his case was over, Wynne said, Till the next time, as he left the video booth at HMP Hewell Prison. This article relates to the reopening of a popular sandwich shop in the Tithing in Worcester. The new owner of a popular sandwich shop is nervous and excited to reopen the lunch spot which is known to so many in Worcester. Arga Jablonska is the new owner of Buddy's Baguettes on the Tithing, which is aiming to reopen this month on Monday, June the 19th. Mrs Jablonska will be running the sandwich shop as a family business alongside her husband, Marcin Starshevsky, and her son, Kasper Starshevsky. The sign for Buddy's Baguettes has returned to the tithing along with a new slogan. Buddy Baguettes, love your hunger. Gone is the navy blue with the front of the shop now painted black with Buddy's Baguettes displayed in white text. Mrs Jablonska said, I love the name and it's a name known to so many in Worcester. We wanted to make sure the name stayed within the city to honour the previous owners of the business and the work they did. I absolutely love making food for people, so to be reopening this business is both exciting and scary. I am nervous, but I just cannot wait to welcome people in. She said we will be serving a wide variety of traditional English sandwich options, a few modern twists and maybe even some Polish influence as well. I have lived in the area for the last 13 years and I'm really looking forward to being part of the community. A commentator on Instagram asked if the new business is planning to offer a delivery service, to which the account responded, Yes, I will. First I have to pass a health inspection and after I can do some business with Deliveroo. The former owners confirmed to the Worcester News that they are no longer behind the business, which permanently closed in October following a difficult couple of years for the hospitality industry. On Friday, June the 2nd, we find an article headlined New Pedestrian and Cycling Route. A new walking, wheeling and cycling route linking Henwick Road to the Riverside has opened at the University of Worcester. The new route, which was formerly, op which was formerly opened by Councillor Adrian Gregson in a special ceremony, was created as part of the development of the university's new seven campus, which is home to the University of Worcester Arena, as well as the new Elizabeth Garrett Anderson building 
for health and medical education. The route, which is open to the public, runs from Henwick Road, close to the rail crossing, down through the campus and onto Hilton Road. The campus also includes 100 electric vehicle charging points, making it one of the largest electric vehicle charging parks in Europe. The spaces are also available to the public. The university was awarded £3 million from the Worcestershire Local Enterprise Partnership towards the cost of refurbishing the former Worcester News Building, which is now known as the Elizabeth Garrett Anderson Building, as well as the wider infrastructure for the new campus. The investment came as part of the government's Getting Building Fund, where Worcestershire was awarded £12 million, which has been allocated locally via the LEP. Gary Woodman, Chief Executive of the Worcestershire LEP, said the Worcestershire LEP is pleased to be able to support the creation of a new active travel route for Worcester as part of the development of the university's new health and medical education centre invested in via the, the government's Getting Building Fund. This new route will allow the university's campuses to be easier to access for all, ensuring that we can train the region's next generation of health and medical professionals right here in Worcestershire. OK, so that concludes the um, general news stories for the week and we'll move seamlessly on to the sport, uh, of which there are four articles and a very um, clear... I'm struggling here, Alex. <laughs> I'll just start that bit again. Um, they're four stories, and I'm afraid they're largely about cricket, but it is the summer. So um, I'll begin, because then it'll spread the cricket out a little bit. And this one is about the, um, the Vitality Blast competition. We won't panic, says coach Kadir Ali. It was always going to be a tough ask for Worcestershire to go unbeaten in the Vitality Blast group games and their 100% record came to an end on Sunday after the Northamptonshire Steelbacks edged home with two balls to spare. Despite the defeat, the Rapids remained top of the North group, standings with four wins from their opening five matches of the competition. And coach Kadir Ali was keen to stress that the side will not get too carried away with wins or losses and that focus switches to the two away games this week. It's going to be tough to win all 14 games in any competition. We're just going to keep nice and level-headed, he said. Even when we won the first four games, we were nice and grounded. The lads were disappointed we didn't win, but we move on to the next game on Wednesday. I should, sorry, uh, just interrupt here to say that this article was written on Tuesday, June the 6th, so it is slightly out of date now. There were so many positives, he continued, so many good things we can take from this game with the bat and the ball. The Rapids had been in a strong position to go and win the game, with the Steelbacks needing 14 off the final over. But Saif Zaib hit two sixes and a four off Pat Brown to secure a six-wicket win with two balls to spare. It was a fantastic game of cricket and it took a special knock there from Saif to take it away from us, said Kadir. The lads who batted said there was a little bit in the wicket and the new ball was tricky, so we thought we had a decent score on the board of 178 for six. 
We were pretty happy at the halfway stage. And after the power play, they were 45 for one and we would have taken that. But Saif striking at a rate of 200 was a special knock. There was one chance that went up into the sun that Mitchell Santner didn't see and there was a dropped catch the very next ball. It would have been nice to have taken our chances, but going to the last over needing 15 to win, you are still massively in the game. And two sixes and two balls, unfortunately, swung it their way. And the sport article for Wednesday, June the 7th, relates to Worcester City football team. Four depart is the block headline. Worcester City confirms several more first-team players have left the club ahead of the 2023-24 campaign. Worcester City have confirmed that four more first-team players have left the football club as they rebuild ahead of the 23-24 season. On Tuesday, it was announced that left-back Dan Okoji, centre-half Jordan Stoddart, wing-back George Baker and central midfielder James Douglas have moved on. They follow regulars such as captain Aaron Roberts and playmaker Billy Shaw out of the exit door at Clanes Lane following the miserable 22-23 campaign. City finished 17th in the Midland Football League Premier, just two places above the relegation zone, and the manager, Chris Corns, warned that big changes were going to be made. And those changes will come as a shock for some City supporters. Okoji was one of City's better performers during his spell last season and Douglas has been a regular in the squad for the past couple of years. Former Raiders and Beaudley Town Centre... Town... Sorry. Former Raiders and Beaudley Town Centre-half Studdart has had a long affiliation with City over two spells. He captained the side in Aaron Roberts' absence towards the end of 22-23, but struggled to make an impact on an already shaky defence. There has been no news of re-signings or new players coming in, although the word from the City camp is that those fresh faces will be announced within the week. With all the outgoings, that looks set to be plenty in through the door as Corns looks to build a team ready for the 23-24 Hellenic League Premier Campaign. City were moved across from the MFL to the Hellenic by the FA as part of a league reshuffle. The city manager should have the funds required to build a fresh new side fit to challenge at the top end of the league table next season. Worcester have recently been taken over by new ownership after local businessman and current club director Simon Lancaster bought the supporters' trust out of their 51% share in the club. Main sponsors, M. Pinches and Sons, have also doubled their investment ahead of the new campaign, meaning the playing budget is likely to be significantly up from last year. And it's back to cricket for the article from Thursday, June the 8th, uh, with the news that former Worcestershire spinner Moen Ali is coming out of retirement to answer England's ashes call caused by an injury to Jack Leach. Moen Ali has answered England's ashes call, reversing his retirement from Test cricket for one last mission against Australia. England's plans for the series were derailed by a stress fracture to first-choice spinner Jack Leach, but Moen has agreed to return to Red Bull cricket for the first time in almost two years to fill the breach. 
The 35-year-old was invited to join the squad at the start of the week and, after taking a couple of days to ponder his decision, has agreed to join up with the team. England had other options, including 18-year-old Rehan Ahmed, who became England's youngest test cricketer when he debuted in December, and Surrey's Will Jacks, but none with the experience and credentials of Moeen. He has 64 test caps, 195 wickets and five test centuries. With Johnny Bairstow slotting back into the side at number seven following his return from a broken leg, Moeen is likely to bat at eight and give the home side a seriously dangerous lower order. The Ashes begins at Moeen's home ground of Edgbaston on July the 16th, with the all-rounder due to turn 36 on day three. Rob Key, England's managing director of men's cricket, was part of discussions alongside head coach Brendan McCullum and captain Ben Stokes, and said... We reached out to Mo early this week about returning to Test cricket. Having had a couple of days to reflect, Mo is excited to join the squad and play Test cricket again. His vast experience, along with his all-round ability, will benefit our Ashes campaign. We wish Mo and the rest of the squad well for the Ashes campaign. McCullum had previously tried to tempt Moeen back into the fold, but until now the Warwickshire star had ultimately decided to stick to limited overs cricket. Uh, perhaps our earlier story of Worcestershire's sad demise to North Hants might be related to my article, uh, which is the Ashes call-up for Worcestershire's Josh Tongue uh, to be part of the 16-man England squad for the first two Ashes test matches. Under a, a picture of a celebratory Josh Tongue, the, the article says, Worcestershire pace bowler Josh Tongue has been named as part of an unchanged 16-player squad for the first two Ashes test matches against Australia. Academy product Tongue made his test debut in the ongoing fixture against Ireland at Lords, taking a five-wicket haul in the second innings to guide the home side to a convincing ten-wicket victory. That performance on debut has done his future international prospects no harm at all, and his captain, Ben Stokes, was keen to praise the seam bowler at the end of the clash with Ireland. Stokes added, The first time I actually met Tungy was the start of this week, when we got together so he must think I am a pretty good bloke giving him his test debut. He was very unlucky in the first innings not to get a wicket, but he definitely reaped the rewards and the way he bowled contributed to the five wickets he got in his innings because they were already on the back foot against him, knowing he had that extra bit of pace. He can bowl 90 miles an hour, full and short, so he was one step ahead in the second innings because of the way he bowled in the first innings. The squad will report to Birmingham on Monday the 12th of June. They are due to practice at, at Edgbaston from Thursday the 13th of June. There was some concern about the fitness of Captain Stokes throughout the day. Stokes had not made any contribution to the scorecard until he caught Chris, Curtis Camphor off Joe Root during Saturday's morning session. But the grimace on his face and subsequent hobble to join his teammates in celebration sent alarm bells ringing ahead of the Ashes opener on June 16. But Stokes revealed, I bowled this morning in the nets for the first time in four weeks 
and I felt really good. I was really happy with how I bowled. I bowled for about 20 minutes and I got through that really well. Obviously I have got time to build up before I push back into the flat out, but I just landed quite awkwardly when I took that catch. I didn't quite see if it, I didn't quite see it, so I had to adjust myself and landed on my left leg. It twisted in a really strange way, but it was fine. It was one of those things, but I'm 32 tomorrow, so that probably explains it. Well, that concludes the sport for this week. And before I move on to the birthday file, I've just got a couple of bits of um, admin and information for you. Uh, The first is the all-important sunrise and sunset times. Uh, This morning, the sun rose at 4.49 a.m. and it's set at 9.27 p.m. Uh, Another notice, which I should have read out in the What's On, on the 26th of June, and this has come from Info at Site Concern, they're going to be welcoming Faith Renger, who's a trustee for Malvern Museum. She will be bringing, apparently, a range of tactile artefacts from the 19th century and sharing a bit about their history. That's going to be taking place at the Bradbury Centre, 2 Sansom Walk, Worcester, WR1 1LH, on the 26th of June. And if you want more details, contact info at siteconcern.co.uk or 01905 Also, Worcester Talking News is one of a number of charities that currently takes part in the Worcester Community Lottery in a bid to raise money for the Talking Newspapers organisation here in Worcester. And I'm delighted to report that we had a winner in last week's draw. So, first of all, warmest congratulations to that individual. Also, that if you'd like to take part in the lottery and support Worcester Talking Newspapers... Let me encourage you to visit www.worcesterlottery, that's all one word, dot org slash support slash Worcester dash talking dash newspaper. It would be wonderful to have your support in that endeavour. So we move on to the birthday file and we have three birthdays that are going to be celebrated in the next uh, week. On the 14th, we'd like to wish Moira Lowe, one of our readers, a very happy birthday. She shares her birthday date with Lillian Aldridge, also on the 14th. And then on the 15th, it's Elizabeth Bow. I hope I've said that right. B-A-I-O. So happy birthday to all three of you for next week. Hope you have a wonderful day and that the sun shines for you. So, birthday, sunrise, done that. We will move on to Thought for the Day, which Penny is going to supply for us. And the thought for this week comes from Psalm 90, verses 10 to 12. Our days may come to 70 years, or 80, if our strength endures. Yet the best of them are but trouble and sorrow, for they quickly pass and we fly away. If only we knew the power of your anger... Your wrath is as great as the fear that is your due. Teach us to number our days, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Thank you. Well, that brings us to the end of this week's recording. I'd like to thank tonight's readers, Penny, Tim and Richard, and Alex on the other side of the glass, plus the production team for all their efforts, and to wish you a good week ahead. So it's goodbye from me, Pippa, and from Penny. 
Goodbye. Tim. Goodbye. And Richard. Bye. Sylvia Doreen Fox, daughter of the late Harry and Nell Fox, passed peacefully in her sleep at home with her sister Brenda and family in Barry, South Wales, on Tuesday the 30th of May, aged 93. A life well lived, funeral arrangements to follow. Edward Clark of Worcester passed away peacefully 20th of May, aged 88. The funeral service took place on Friday the 9th of June. Donations, if desired, for British Heart Foundation may be left at the crematorium or sent to E.J. Gummery and Son, 6870 Ombersley Road, Worcester, WR3 7EU. Janet Teresa Stockburn, aged 73. Janet's funeral took place on Wednesday the 7th of June at Worcester Crematorium. Family flowers only, but donations, if desired, to Horatio's Garden, Inquiries to Hoskins Funerals Direct on 01905 27862. June Elaine Reeves passed away peacefully in Juniper House on Tuesday 23rd May, aged 90. The funeral took place at Worcester Crematorium on Friday 9th of June. Donations for Dementia UK may be sent to F.W. Spilsbury, Funeral Director, 12 Upper Housel Road, Malvern, Worcestershire, WR 14 1TL. And also David Callow of Warnden passed away peacefully at home on the 22nd of May 2023, aged 86 years. The funeral service at Worcester Crematorium on Monday 12th of June at 12.15. Family flowers only, please, but donations, if desired, for the RNLI may be left on the collection plate at the crematorium or sent to E.J. Gummery & Son, 6870 Ombersley Road, Worcester, WR3 7EU. And also Eric White, former Mayor and Councillor for Upton-upon-Seven, who died peacefully at home, on the 20th of May, 2023, aged 89 years. The funeral service at the Parish Church of St Peter and St Paul, up to the Pond Seven, on Monday the 19th of June at 11am. No flowers, please. Donations, if desired, for Upton Medical Support Trust may be left at the service or sent to Bedwardine Funeral Services, Worcester, 01905, 748811 And Barbara Jones passed away peacefully after a short illness at the Lawns Nursing Home Kemsey on Thursday the 1st of June 2023 aged 89 years The funeral service will take place at St Mary's Church London on Monday 19th of June 2023 at 1 o'clock followed by a private cremation. Family flowers only. Donations, if desired, for the Dogs Trust and St Mary's Church Longden may be sent care of B Suite and Sons Funeral Directors, 12A Oldbury Road, Tewkesbury, GL 25LZ, 01684 293180. 
and finally, but not least, Greta Margaret Williams from Hanbury. Passed away peacefully on the 19th of May 2023 at Morven Community Hospital, aged 92 years. Funeral service to take place at Worcester Crematorium on Wednesday the 14th of June at 10.45am. Family of flowers only, please. Donations, if desired, will benefit RSPCA. Worcester Co-op Funeral Care, 17 Lowesmoor, Worcester, WR1 2RS. Telephone 01905 22137.